Welcome to the Public Health Networker, the official podcast of the Public Health Podcast and Media Network. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. In this episode, number 11, we're celebrating National Public Health Week with our host, Dr. Brian O. Buckley. Dr. Buckley is a multidimensional healthcare professional educator and researcher in healthcare delivery, system redesign, performance, and change management. He's also part of the executive board at APHA. Join us in this episode as we celebrate and learn more about public health, what's going on with APHA this week, and the DRPH degree. And to also learn more about our festivities for National Public Health Week, join us on Twitter at PHPodcasters and on Instagram at Public Health Podcasters. I hope you enjoyed the episode. JMIR Publications is proud to support the Public Health Podcast Network and our shared mission to create an inclusive and robust scientific discourse. With over 20 years of experience in open access publishing and innovation, JMIR believes transparency is paramount to successful research and for public interest in science. Our growing family of journals includes titles such as JMIR Public Health and Surveillance and our flagship, the Journal of Medical Internet Research. For a limited time, listeners of the Public Health Podcast Network are eligible for a $100 discount using the promo code PHPN100. To learn more about us and our journals, please visit jmir.org. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Public Health Networker. We have a special episode here where we speak to someone from APHA. Uh, Today we're interviewing Dr. Brian Buckley. He is a health equity focused and systems oriented leader in public health. And so he is part of the executive board of APHA. So we're really excited to talk to him today. And so let's just get started. Welcome, Dr. Buckley. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Are you in um, DC? Yeah, so I am located in, I'm going to say the Washington, D.C. metro area, so really mm-hmm. in Maryland side, but for the folks that know, the DMV area, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia metro area. So yeah, that's where I'm located right now. So I've been here now for about two years now in full pandemic. I've been here since the pandemic, but I'm originally from the Maryland area. So this is kind of a homecoming uh, moving back here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. So I like to think of myself in like three parts a researcher, an educator, and a public health change agent. I'll start with the thing that actually pays me, research. So I work for MedStar Health, which is a large academic health system here in the D.C., Maryland area. It's the largest health system in the Mid-Atlantic. So we have like 10 hospitals. I specifically work as a fellow um, for our Institute for Quality and Safety. Um, And you might be like, what does that do? I work a lot on really the intersection of healthcare delivery into our systems and within our community. And this is where the community piece kind of gets involved because I love looking at quality safety and its linkages to community partnerships. The second bucket from an educator perspective, um, because of MedStar has this unique partnership with Georgetown University. I'm also assistant professor at Georgetown University School of Medicine, where I actually teach change management Um, and also community partnerships. So I actually have a couple of med students that I work with them on talking about what does it mean to be an anti-racist organization? What is structural racism? And how do we really truly work in conjunction with community? Not something that we just kind of pump out this idea of, you know, we're just seeing patients, but really understanding their life course through the community. 
And then the last, which is you mentioned before, is the public health change agent side. So I do a lot of things in the public health outside of work. The one you mentioned on the board, executive board for the American Public Health Association, but then I'm also on the board directors for the American Heart Association, the DC area, because I believe you, public health is local. And so you have to be local on where you live. Um, in addition, last is I'm also one of the co-founders and inaugural executive board members for the DRPH coalition, because we, as, especially in this time, we see the need for more leaders, specifically doctorally trained in public health. And so that was an organization uh, my classmates and I started about two years. And so just involved in a whole bunch of things, public health. Many of us, I think, as we progress into the field of public health, we start getting involved in all different types of activities, whether it's, you know, something that is involved with our full-time work, something that's meaningful to us, something that we contribute our time to and volunteer with. Yeah, just so you know, in our last episode, we did speak to somebody about the DRPH journey. So we are sharing more awareness of DRPHs and how important they are, um, even have learned recently I think in that episode that DRPHs have been around for quite some time, but they're just yeah, growing. Since ni 1916, uh, actually started at the Harvard School of Public Health. And so our organization, we started two years ago. And so we're, it's the first, from our knowledge, the first DRPH like registered organization solely for DRPHers. DRPH, it, as I said, started in like the, like the late 19, uh, early 1920s. And it seemed like it was going really well. And then it kind of dropped off in the 40s, 50s. And mm -hmm. I think that was just the intersection of really weird is health. And there was a lot of things going on around healthcare and public health as a whole. And so I think it just kind of got wrapped into this idea of we need more knowledge and we need more research to really address what's actually happening in society. It then started coming back slowly in the, if I remember correctly, the 70s then had another kind of down in the 90s. And then it really became a thing when a new report um, called the DRPH of the 21st century, which realized we have all this research now. We're doing really good with all this research, but none of it's really happening and being implemented into practice. And we need practitioners specifically trained into doing practitioner work. And even when you think of the DRPH, even though it has more of that practice space now, it had not always had that practice space um, philosophy. So like for many DRPHers, they're learning negotiation, they're learning organizational behavior, they're understanding advocacy and um, public speaking, because those are the things that really to navigate through the gray area of government, to making sure that we can really scale up the things we know work mm -hmm. at that population health level. So um, definitely a lot of growth within the DRPH community. And actually, I was, we were just looking the other day and we were looking at all the presidents of APHA. I think there was four presidents that have a DRPH. And so we were like, because APHA has a wonderful list of all of the presidents that have ever we've ever had, especially as we're leading up to our 150th anniversary. It was an interesting way of just looking at how early the DRPH was. And I think in the first 10 presidents, one of them had a DRPH. I love the fact that you're working in a clinical setting and then you're bridging the two. I still believe that there's a lack of understanding for the greater public on what the difference is between physician clinical work and public health. You're in an ideal place to be able to describe that to us. So tell us how you're bridging the two and what the differences have been. That's a great question. And I think it's something that has come up a lot even during this pandemic as well. 
on like what is public health because um, one of the cool things I get to do I'm on the alumni board for the Harvard Chan um, Alumni Association where we have this whole thing called the frontiers of public health and one of the sub projects of that is reconnecting with public health. Traditionally, when we have often talked about public health, we usually have thought of people that are public health workers are the people that are local and state departments, you know, as the public health workforce. But in the past, like, 20 years or so, we have seen public health blossom. And we see this greater need from everyone that we need to start thinking about community health and improving the health and well-being of where people live, work, and play. And that requires a different mindset and a different type of thinking. And so when I think of the healthcare industry, they are a part of that public health community that we have. They are not necessarily the, the, may not necessarily always be the drivers of public health and everything, but they have an important seat at the table because they are seeing the outcomes of when we don't address public health concerns. And they can be amazingly powerful advocates as we think of talking to our politicians and even our health systems, which in many ways are anchor institutions in their communities that impact hiring, they impact um, investment in um, community-based organizations, community link linkages. Mm -hmm. They're so important in really being part of that journey. And so that's why they are very deeply doing aspects of public health and we need them in our story, but it's also realizing that they can't do public health by themselves. And I think as we think about the history of healthcare um, and health systems, Oftentimes, they, they usually like to do things alone. And I think as we are seeing this idea of person family centered care and really these value based healthcare models, we have to think about how we are investing in health outside of the four walls of a hospital, the four walls of a clinic, to really being where people are. Because we know health is really where people are, where they live, work, and play. And the hospital is just a brief moment that you're there. And so, how do we start investing into that more upstream aspect of health? Tell us a little bit more about how you became involved with APHA. Tell us a little bit more about how you got started on the executive board. A very long journey. I started when I was working on my MPH at Michigan State University. So go green, go white for all my Spartans out there. And I remember Dr. Ronell Brew, which ended up later on becoming the president of the Michigan Public Health Association. Um, she was really involved in this idea of, okay, like you can't just learn public health and just think, okay, I now know everything. You mm -hmm. have to be part of the movement and part of the organizations that are looking at some of these bigger systemic things you can't do alone. And I always say public health is a team sport, not an individual sport. And so um, she introduced us to APHA and was like, yeah, you should join. I went to my first APHA annual meeting, which was in, unless it was in New Orleans. And I just remember I was part of two sections, Meaty Health planning and policy development section, CHPPD, which I ended up becoming the chair of later down the road. But a couple of key people is Elena and Gina, which are kind of like my mentors in APHA. They just like, they brought me in and they just infused all of their knowledge and like, hey, this is how you navigate APHA. And after that, I don't know about people that have gone, but when you leave APHA, you feel this fire in your soul where you're just like, you know, I need to like get I, I've been wasting my time this whole entire year. It's like New Year's all over again. I just feel empowered to like want to like, you hear all these ideas and you have all these plans. And it's like, okay, what can I do and hit the road? What are new linkages, new partnerships, new ways I could do these um, initiatives? And so from there, I just got super involved. Really started off in the um, CHPBD section, which it really became my home. 
as a section and went from you know being the student liaison to the policy committee to um, for our section to being the co-chair of the policy committee to the policy chair committee and then eventually to being the chair elect chair um, and now I'm in my immediate past chair role and so I just got really involved with APHA and while I'm doing all that I'm also getting super involved with the affiliate side um, so I was at the time I was in Michigan and really involved with the Michigan Public Health Association, which was also my local home, um, where I got to really learn about local issues. Like we were talking about things around medical marijuana when it came to tobacco-free campuses. When we talked about even earlier in the opioid crisis, we started seeing these things starting to bubble up before it became this national news. Um, and I ended up um, being, um, being the policy chair for the um, Michigan Public Health Association and on their board directors and actually ended up writing our response to the Flint water crisis along with Hope Rollins, which funny enough is also on the executive board with me this time as the chair of the executive board. So it's just funny how your community, you kind of go with them. And honestly, I don't think I was ever planning on running for executive board, but a couple of people reached out and were like, we need that energy. We need that different perspective, that public health fire to get the movement going and to reimagine what the new generation of public health practitioners are looking for, what they want and what they want to see in those national organizations. And so that encouraged me to run. And um, in my first year here on the executive board and also within the executive board, the chair of the development committee. So um, also got a leadership role there as well to think about, reimagine what do we think of development and how we donate our treasure um, time and talents to the organization. So in total, what would you say, how many years have you been involved in APHA? Oh man, uh, I think this year will become my 10 year, 10 or 11 year anniversary. 10 years ago, I was like a young spry MPHer and just thinking about how many things have happened Right. Um, and how many decisions I made because of the APHA community, like, for example, I wasn't thinking about doing my doctorate at any point in time, but Angina Lockett, which for the folks that know Angina, she's amazing, and she's been on governing council for so long. I remember she walked me over to the Harvard table and was like, and she looked at, at the time, um, the recruiter, and was like, this guy is going to be in your doctoral program. You need to get to know him. And it, it kind of empowered me, especially as a student, you're like, you know, very intimidated by schools and not sure where you want to go. And she just walked me over there. Vincent James was his name. And I was like, hey, Vincent, he's going to come to Harvard. Watch out for him. And surely enough, two years later, I ended up becoming a part of the Harvard community and finishing my doctorate. And so it just shows how APHA has definitely helped me grow as a professional, but then also just as a good human person and seeing the networks and social capital that you can build. I wasn't really thinking about a PhD, right? I was at a conference in public administration, interestingly, and um, a mentor there, uh, his name is Peter. And uh, he just said to me, why don't you think about a PhD? And I was like, you can do it. You know? And that's all it takes. Just somebody who believes in you, right? Mentorship is so powerful. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about what's coming up for APHA. A couple of questions, kind of the, the year in itself for the 150th anniversary, but also with the upcoming National Public Health Week. I guess maybe we can start out with like the bigger picture of what's yes. planned. So this year is, uh, as you mentioned, our 150th anniversary of APHA. 
Uh, so it will be in Boston this year in November. And um, that was where the original APHA conference was. And it's special to me because I was just in Boston two years ago, finishing up my doctorate um, at the Harvard Chan School. And so um, there's a lot of events and for folks that have um, that haven't really been paying attention to all the things that have happened, there's been a series of things that we've been doing since the end of last year's um, annual meeting. Um, for folks that go onto APHA.org, um, there's a 150th page and each month there's a different theme that they are doing leading up to the annual meeting. Um, in addition, uh, for folks that have been on social media and following APHA on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you might have noticed that every Tuesday, there have been these short clips dropping. Um, and it's part of a 20-part um, series to really inform the public about what is public health and what are some of the different areas of public health. So for example, just I think this past one that happened is, what is health equity? What do we mean by structural racism? You know, what is environmental health? Because there's all these terms that are thrown out. And APHA is very much the umbrella organization that has many of these. So I do encourage you guys to check that out from a high level of the different webinar series that we're doing leading up to the annual meeting. But then even further at the annual meeting, I can't say too much about it, but you know, get ready. You'll start seeing a lot of things come out in July as we really start to launch the registration for the annual meeting and the different types of activities, the ways we're thinking, rethinking our expo, um, interconnection. And especially, granted, we had our annual meeting, this hybrid annual meeting last year, really being very intentional. We're hoping, crossing my fingers, that COVID is at least a couple more steps behind us um, than we are but really being um, intentional about how do we connect as a public health community during this 150th anniversary, especially given the immense pain, sorrow, and mourning that we have passed over 900,000 deaths within the United States on really the importance of why we need public health. And we need our leaders to really think about public health. So that's it from the year perspective on what we're doing for the APHA annual meeting or leading up to the one year 50th. Looking at the site. So I see here, National Public Health Week. Public health is where you are, right? April 4th through the 10th. I mm -hmm. am so curious to hear what uh, is up ahead and how we can join in in National Public Health Week. Yes, for folks that are listening, if you go to nphw.org, that's like our main launching spot for National Public Health Week. And so there's many different ways to get involved in National Public Health Week. One, letting people know about it before it starts to actually come. So it is April 4th to the 10th this year. And it's really about a moment to one, I think a couple of things you can do because we talked about mentorship and the importance a little bit earlier. We are having several different events that are gonna be happening. One of the ones that I'm really excited for is our student day. And one part of our student day is really helping students think about what it means to have a mentor, how you can also pave it forward to be a mentor for the future as you think about the people that'll be your mentees. And so there will be actually a panel with me, my mentor and one of my mentees and just really this intergenerational aspect of mentorship through APHA, um, which I'm really excited about. There's also a MOVE campaign, especially for the folks that are in warmer weather. Today for me in Maryland, in February, it's 63 degrees outside right now, which is beautiful right now. How you get those steps in and really this idea of physical activity. And so there is a step challenge 
If you didn't get signed on before, you can sign in. If you have like an Apple Watch or Fitbit, it will take your retrospective steps as you think about different ways of competition within sections, um, if you're part of a section and also different um, groups within APHA. And then there's also aspects of, the, um, for folks, there's a social media kit. So for if you're kind of like, hey, I, I really love APHA, I love public health, think about ways that you can talk about National Public Health Week and tag and thank people that are in public health. For the folks that are outside of kind of, of that public health field, even though I would argue everyone does a little bit of public health, for the folks that don't feel they traditionally do it, make sure you thank your fellow colleagues or other people within the public health community for just the work that they do, especially um, when I think about the aspect of gratitude. A big thank you to our healthcare workers, our contact, contact tracers, the folks that don't always get those things in the community, your sanitation workers. There are so many different people that are volunteers. There are so many people that have really been involved in this process of public health. And the National Public Health Week is really meant to show gratitude and really build awareness um, now more than ever around the need for public health and really a health and all policy approach and how we think about public health um, policy and legislation moving forward. I love that. So the goals basically being to show gratitude and awareness of public health and public health workers, people in the field, and basically anyone who is connected to anything we do, where we live, work, play, and pray and everything else. Exactly. Okay, so you shared the links. It's nhpw.org. And if you go to the 150th page, you'll see kind of all the events that are um, going to be coming up. There's our National Public Health Week, but then right mm -hmm. shortly after that, we're actually we moved. Normally, for the folks that know, we have our APHA Policy Action Institute, which we started a couple of years ago, which will be in June. And it's really about how do we advance, as I mentioned policy is so important as we think about public health, is how do we advance policy to improve health? That's going to be one of the topics at the moment um, that will be part of that um, Action Institute, which will be virtual and also in person. Exciting activities for the 150th year of the annual meeting. Tell us more about how we can connect with you, learn more about all of the different adventures in public health that you're working in. First is follow me on social um, on my social sites, uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, even TikTok. Um, and I'll, I'll wow. make sure to send you the link there, April, to my link tree of just following what I'm doing. But then I'm also going to give a shameless plug because I think it's so important as we think about public health. The health affairs for their February magazine really focus on racism and its intersection with health. And I was honored to be part of a team of writers led by Dr. Christopher King at um, Georgetown to really do this um, paper around race, place, and structural racism and really looking at DC. And one of the works that we have done within APHA has really been around the health equity collaborative around this idea of racial healing and making sure that we are looking back on the historical aspects that contribute to the health outcomes today. And so as we think about future policies, we have that in mind as we try to rectify those wrongs of the past and truly heal and hear from each other. Mm -hmm. But then also I think looking at many of the other um, amazing researchers and um, scholars that also came out with papers during that month related to structural racism and how we as 
public health practitioners, we have these tools that are all, by the way, public. Normally health affairs puts you behind a paywall, but these are all public articles. We thought that um, from the VP of equity, we thought it was important for that to be free access. So we have that information. We have that data to really help advance improving the health and well-being in our, um, in our communities. Wonderful. So those are the ways to follow me, but always doing a lot of things. And um, I always like to end uh, at least when it comes to people kind of connecting with me as I have like my B mantra is this idea of be hungry for what we see that we need to see happen in the world. Be big in your ideas about what you see the injustices are. Be curious about how to fix these injustices because it requires, as I said, public health is a team sport. It requires different cross thinking and cross industry thinking to address these wicked problems that we see. And then be humble, as I said, this is a team sport and you cannot do good public health in isolation and silo. You have to do it with the community. And I hope even if you're not part of APHA, you are joining your network or a community that empowers you to really do the work you do. So this idea of be hungry, be curious and be humble. I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Brian Buckley. This was a wonderful conversation. I'm so excited. I think you just kind of spread the flame of APHA and public health. And so I'm just so excited to share this episode with people. I've got your new article up here. I'm, I'll be sharing that in our show notes as well. And I look forward to connecting with you further in the future. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks again for joining us today. For more information about the Public Health Podcast Network, visit publichealthpodcasters.com. You can also find us on Twitter at PHPodcasters. If you have any questions or feedback, we always welcome reviews on iTunes. Or you can contact us at info at publichealthpodcasters.com. Have a good day.